Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Welcome to Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Triple one episode, episode 111. Never thought we'd make it that far. In studio with... Andy Brad Bernard. And... Thomas M. Bernard. And phoning in from the wilds of St. Louis Park... My girlfriend. There we go. We'll be right back after this exciting announcement. <coughs> Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Okay, old fan, we got some bad news for you, man. What? Three of the four Golden Girls are dead and have been for at least 11 years. Yeah. Oh, boy. All this time I've... You know, I, I don't want to admit it, but now am I going to be able to allow them to excite me? I would think now more than is ever. It, is it bad taste now? That's what I'm wondering about. Does the Jane know? Mansfield poster in your bedroom still work? <laughs> well, that's true. It wouldn't bother me with Jane Mansfield. Well, I have a question. Does your poster well, in your bedroom... It's hypothetical, that's all, Tom. Right, of course. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hypothetically, do you have a poster of Jane Mansfield headless in your bedroom? Oh, well, her noggin was cut off in a car accident. And oh. actually, here's the automotive story. That's why they have those safety bars in the back of semis is because of that happened. Yep, that's to her. true. Really? It yep. used to happen all the time. Well, not all the time, but enough. That. Yeah, people well, in those low sports cars. Yep. Yeah, they'd uh, try to, I don't know. Or they wouldn't see him, or they were yeah. probably texting back in but, 1850. Yeah, that, yeah, having a razor sharp metal right at neck height. Yeah, Someone I figured out that's not a good idea. I still remember the bumper sticker. Go ahead. Uh, I break for Jane Mansfield's head. See? Uh, that was and on by my the car. way, while that isn't bad taste, it's just urban myth anyway. Yes, it is urban myth. It that is? Yes, it never happened. Oh. Well, there you go. So it's not in bad taste at all. We can make fun of her death all we want. You damn right. Sometimes I tell people that it's just urban myth and they become disappointed. <laughs> they want it to be true. Well, yeah, that happens Damn all the time. That does happen all the time. You're people right like an way. exciting lie more than a boring truth. I actually looked yeah. up, you know, this. everybody is rightfully all whipped up about the 
woman who was raped in Philadelphia on the you subway, and people are taking videos oh, and stuff. And I, re- I remember the story about Kitty, uh, Kitty Genovese. Yeah. Oh, yep. And yeah. so I went to look it up just to check my memory, and apparently what was popular myth didn't actually happen. So there was a guy that attacked her, and one of the neighbors screamed at him, and he ran away. Well, now it has happened. And then he came back 20 minutes later and killed her. Uh, so it wasn't, I mean, I remember at the time. Well, the myth was, like, so exaggerated. Was, right. Yeah, he was, like, you know, stabbing people. her all throughout the town. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it was in Yonkers, I think, somewhere in New York City. But and, the Kitty Genovese story was true, right? Well, but she was she was murdered. It was exaggerated. But it was the the number of people that stood by innocently was greatly exaggerated. There was one guy that that scared him off the first time, and then came back, and she got stabbed and raped, and mm-hmm. somebody yeah. called the cops, and they showed up right away, but she didn't make it. So, for those that are curious, it was a famous murder in New York in 1964. Right about the time of Jane Mansfield's accident. Oh, yeah, you're right. Hmm. Coincidence? Probably. News news from 58 years ago. Well, I think everyone's familiar with the Kitty Genovese story. I would be be surprised if everybody is. I mean, it happened well. I'm surprised that you know. Well, before I was born, and I was still familiar with it. So, you know, they talked about it in, you know, um, undergraduate psychology classes. Yeah, it's one of those often. cases that they bring out every time they want to. Yeah. It, if someone is being taught the bystander effect, that is what they will learn about, guaranteed. Either right. that or the Milgram experiments. They'll hear about that. Yeah. They'll hear about the Stanford Prison Experiment. Yeah, the other, all those little cases that uh, people love to, you know, that just perfectly illustrate the uh, psychological phenomenon of the week. Yeah. I had a thought. Yes, sir. So have you ever had days when you're driving and everybody around you seems to be a complete idiot? Yes, well, I, I know. I've never had that happen. It doesn't happen to me very often, but driving here today it did. And Sometimes. I used to be susceptible to high blood pressure and kind of road rage. I mean, I never did anything, but I'd find myself getting mad. And I'm like, life's too short. I got, I got an extra two seconds to spare to let this person... Despite the fact that there's nobody behind me for 600 yards, they just have to speed up and then jam in right in front of me. But And it made me start thinking about road rage. And when people do stuff like that, we have plenty of hand gestures and things we can do to express our displeasure. But how about when you actually do F up? I mean, I've cut people off inadvertently. If you drive enough, eventually you're going to do something wrong. There's no gesture to say, to say to somebody, I'm sorry. I've had that exact same thought before, actually. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And if there was one, the best thing I you could honestly do is like think it would shrug. probably diffuse the situation. Yeah, yeah no, no matter what you do, if the person's really whipped up, they're just gonna, it's just going to make it worse. Yeah. I did try blowing a kiss to a guy once, and that, <laughs> that didn't actually, that didn't defuse the situation. I would have laughed. I would have thought You have to do like a, one of those 90s gangster hand signs. It's MB from my bad. Okay, yeah, that's really going to work well up while in you're Ely. Holding, <laughs> while you're holding the steering wheel, also. It's very so important. if there's any listeners out there that have a good, we could maybe grassroots this thing and yeah, what defuse is a, um, road well, rage incidents. That's because it's the just other out of thing. Um, I need to verify this before I say it, but I'm pretty sure it's true. Let's see. Uh, well, so sorry is basically you draw a circle around your heart. 
but I think that could be. Have you ever seen anybody do that? Misconstrued, maybe, yeah, or confused. I don't think that'll work in Florida, for example, right. <laughs> where ninety percent of all road rage incidents occur. Well, it's you know, prep. I mean, let's not forget about that poor baseball coach that got killed on one sixty nine last summer. It's, well, yeah, yeah, it's true. However, the thing, one thing I saw in Florida driving there, which I've seen more than once there, which I've never seen anywhere else is someone passing me in the ditch. Ooh, I saw that. Oh. I was it's, this, it's the NASCAR influence. Years ago, middle of the day, I'm riding my motorcycle south on 35W, coming out of downtown, approaching the crosstown. So, like, Diamond Lake Road-ish. And there's a semi-truck in front of me, and the semi pulls over in this Buick had to slow down a little bit to let him in the right lane. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy in the Buick got really pissed, drove down the broke breakdown lane, mm-hmm. cut in front of the semi, but cut too quickly. So the semi's slamming his brakes. He's pushing the, the Buick sideways down 35W. As soon as the semi goes slow enough that the Buick's wheels come down, shoots perpendicular yep. in front of the semi and gets T-boned by a guy in a Fiat. Oh I'm like, oh, God. my. And this is 11 o'clock in the morning. No, I pulled over. Nobody died. But, boy, was that truck driver. He was about ready to kill the guy. Yeah, that's, that's Pee Wee Herman's breakfast machine of death. <laughs> <laughs> the breakfast machine of death. Okay. That'll do it. I have a quick story and a quiz. I'm ready. It's automotive. So it was a... Took it off automotive news this morning. Tesla posted a second consecutive record quarterly profit, earned $1.6 billion in the third quarter, despite ongoing uh, global semiconductor shortage. Revenue jumped 57% to $13.8 billion. Automotive gross margins rose uh, 30.5%. So they had just a kick-ass quarter. Right. Now, in January of 2020, I was thinking, I play the stock market a little bit. Usually I, I don't. It's I buy long-term stuff, stuff that I think is going to you know, go up yeah, over day time. Trading. I'm lazy and I don't want to pay tax. No, it's the opposite of day trading. Yeah. Day trading is you're moving in and out. Yep, I'll, exactly. I've got I've got Disney still in my portfolio that I bought for 15 bucks back in 2000. Oh yeah, I've got 19, a, I got what one 90. share of Disney stock that you bought when I was born or something like that. Right. Yeah. So, you, you have that, don't you? I think yeah, so. I think Disney's a buck 85 right now. So when I was looking at it, it was $70 a share. Anybody, like, quick quiz here. Don't look it up, Tom. What do you think Tesla is trading for today? Now, January of 2020, it was $70. January 2020. $350. Andy? I'd say like 200 at, ma- at most. Not even close. No? I'd say 6000 no, it's $865. Well, so well, see, I thought they were up there in the uh, Amazon. No, not yet. I, but, I, of I course, it, does, go it ahead. doesn't really mean anything unless you know how many shares there are. Yeah, but no, the great thing about Tesla is they're making all that money, and they're not actually delivering any cars. Well, I, actually, I would beg to differ. They delivered a quarter million cars last quarter. Oh, they've actually started. It was the best uh, quarter ever. They I mean, started actually starting to actually shipping. The problem that they've always had was production. Yeah. For right. how long were people buying cars for, like, five years down the line? It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. No, they put in money, and that, that's why you never knew what their sales were, because half of those deposits that's would true, evaporate. Yeah. They just People would buy something else and get their money back. Yep. But, yeah. No, they're they're turning into a, a, a very viable business, which is interesting. But I looked that up today. I'm like, 
damn it, why didn't I buy that? I mean, if I were rich, I would absolutely buy a Tesla, but, you know, what's... The Tesla is marketing to, what, 5% of the population? Well, the the electric uh, car market in the U.S. right now has doubled in the last 18 months, but it's still... The electric car market, but this is the luxury electric car market. Well, they make, they make some... I don't want to say entry level because there's no such thing as a cheap electric uh, car, but they do make some models that start in the 40s. Oh yeah, and go oh, up. So to that's about very 100. different than it was yeah. like eight years ago when they were. Uh, well, initially they just had two models, and they were you know yeah, the two hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly. Oh, that's so that's interesting. Hmm. So yeah, they're making a fly of it. <clears throat> well, they should because with the new laws, entry level electric car is going to be like the holy grail of car sales if someone can figure out how to make an electric car that cheap that doesn't also suck yeah which so far no one has i don't think the leaf is the closest thing we got well that's the cheapest one but it's probably the one that sucks the most yeah exactly well there's a reason it's the cheapest one but i mean you know if you if i didn't live in minnesota i'd probably consider a leaf why why minnesota because of the four-wheel drive well, all electric vehicles four-wheel drive, aren't they? No. no. Leafs oh, they're are, not? No, oh, I didn't know that. So Leafs are front-wheel drive. I think a lot of the yep. Teslas are, too. Yep, exactly. That's the other thing about electric cars is that they're really not made for climates like this. Well, no. it's really more the effect of cold weather on battery performance. They do make all-wheel drive. Batteries don't I mean, like being very, The new very Mustang cool. does come in an all-wheel drive version. Well, but you think just, like, you know, put an internal heating element in the battery. Although, I guess if you know, get thermal runaway in a battery like that, that's... Yeah, basically a, an IED in your trunk. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, no. Hmm. Alan drove the, and it's a weird, it's a Porsche Taycan, but they call it the turbo, even though it's an all-electric car. Hmm. Zero to 60 in 2.8 seconds. He says it's just like getting Yikes. shot out of a cannon. But unlike a regular car, I mean, it's just all four wheels are being driven at the same time, so you don't have any you know, mm-hmm. tire smoke or anything like that. But he goes, it's just, it's just fabulous. Well, wouldn't it be more difficult to make an electric motor only turn two wheels than just have it turning four? I think that they have a motor on each wheel. Oh, that's what it is. Yep. Okay. Oh, really? Yep. Huh. So I there's think. no engine in the the hood then? No, it's just, uh, in fact, the new <laughs> oh, okay. Ford F-150 Lightning, uh, they call it the hunk. It's a trunk, but it's under the hood. So you can, I mean, that oh. space is all available. Oh, I mean, that actually makes a lot more sense yeah. then. They, huh. You know, they take up a lot of space in the undercarriage uh, for batteries and stuff like that. But the motors themselves are They're just in you the know, wheel. Pretty, about the size of a basketball, roughly. They're not very big. Hmm. Tom, what are you doing? I'm just listening to you. participating. People want to hear I, you, okay, even yeah, though you're okay. the guest. I will participate. When the hell are you going to be a new car? You know, I did you see my email okay. from this morning? I no. need a free car. Damn it! I it's not a free car. I'm going to no, buy this car. I know. Car. I, oh, put, okay. I I emailed our good friend Alex Davis. You remember him? Oh, sure. The young yeah. guy that started. I said <clears throat> I need some help because Campbell's out tripping or something. So tripping on the case. I said it has to be black. Has to be all wheel drive. Has to be a convertible and not a super big car. Find out what you get. And I looked through their inventory. We really... Yeah, what is there, like three of that in the entire world? Well, no. I mean, uh, Audi makes an A5 all-wheel drive cabriolet. There's a 4 Series oh, BMW. What about, wait, now, the Audi, what's wrong with that? Well, we don't have any. I mean, it's, the oh, part, you see, I don't know if you've been reading about yep. this chip shortage mm-hmm. and stuff. It actually... It's a real thing. ...has been a problem. What is Paul driving? 
Help him oh, send God. it over. Oh no, he drives. He he drives the worst cars. Not I shouldn't say that. <laughs> so <laughs> that's real. You know his dog. house. He he used to had a big spread in, in Edina, and then when the kids went to college and moved out, he bought this cute little cottage right where we went boating that one time, right in Wyzetta. Yep. 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 Next to the railroad tracks, cute little, it's probably 1,500 square feet, and he calls me in his office and says, Doug, I need the shortest car that we sell. What is that? And I said, well, I think. He goes, I don't want you to think. Yeah. I want you to look it up and measure it. A so Cooper? Like, oh, crap. Has to be all-wheel drive. <clears throat> so, and I don't think we had mm. many at the time, actually. So I'm looking at this, and I said, well, the Jeep Compass is 137 I inches. That's Compass. about it. And he goes, okay, maybe that's what that's what I need because I don't have any garage space. There's no parking room. I need something really mm-hmm. short. That's why I'm getting rid of my car. So he calls me yeah, about a day later, long. and he goes, why didn't you tell me about the Nissan Juke? Now, do you remember what a Juke is? No. It looks like kind of a Japanese um, cartoon car. Uh, Brittany drove one for a long time. Oh, she did? They were okay, but they're super tiny. There's no back seat in them, and they look like a it, sort of a It, it looks like if you hit a crossover with a shrink ray. Yeah. So I said, you really want one of those? And so here's a guy who's a very successful auto dealer. And right. I don't know what he's worth, but it's certainly more than all of us put together by a fairly wide margin. I'm like, you're driving a juke. So, no, you would not want to drive Paul's mm. cars. But we'll find you something. Well, to be fair, I mean, he does need the parking space. That's true. No, I literally, I, my, I, I can get my car in the garage, but I can't lower the door and walk behind my car to get in the house. There's no, no room. It's yeah. right up against the door, basically. So i got to get a smaller car. I love I my car, too. I know you do. Bad. And we'd love to have it on trade. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it is a little bit of a challenge to find stuff right now, but I have... Great faith in young Alex. So, Alex, it, if you're listening, get your ass in gear. Isn't it interesting that we've had – so the chip shortage started, what, like a year ago, a little more? Yeah. Well, it was the early days of the pandemic. Yeah, so like a year and a half probably. Yep. So we've had a year and a half, and no one has decided to step up and start manufacturing these chips domestically. Makes well, you wonder why. The, yeah, you know, I've actually heard an interview with a – Harvard business professor that talked about that, and it's the more you dive into it, the more I don't know if interesting is the right word, but it's more complicated than you think. So one of the problems is the chips that they use in cars are kind of old technology. I mean, they're not really used for anything else, and the reason for that is they have to be tested. Yep. They have to be approved by they the can't government. Fail ever. Because yeah, I mean, you think about the environment mm-hmm. that a chip functions in an automobile. Yep. It's 180 mm-hmm. degrees that too. when you leave yeah. the windows up in the summer, and it's 45 below, and it runs your brake and steering system. So it's not like you can kind of guess. So no. Uh, but there are no other industries other than automotive that use that style chip. So that's one problem. And the other thing is when, you know, when the manufacturers anticipated the end of the world and canceled all their orders, and then all of a sudden people started buying stuff from home, all that chip production went to Apple Watches, PCs, yeah. iPads, all that sort of stuff. And it takes a couple of years, apparently, to build a chip plant. So that's mm. just they can't flip the and, switch you know, and have it happen. Another reason for all these shortages is that a while ago, companies decided, and I think it was mostly, it was mostly just, you know, an effort to uh, drive drive the shares of the stock up. But they decided, well, you know what, we shouldn't really have any inventory 
sitting around. That yeah. is true. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right, Mike. Right. That was Toyota yep. that invented mm-hmm. that. It's called just-in-time inventory. Just no in warehousing, time, right. if at all possible. Yeah. And it worked Which beautifully is, you know, until things yeah. broke. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's probably a reason why I why I couldn't find a part that would fix my furnace. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, once because they stop making the, the thing, furnace, they stop of... making the parts. The parts don't exist anymore. Yep. Right. Yep. And, you know, that's that's why I got a letter you know, um, uh, from, uh, from a, a company that I was dealing with. They sent me a letter saying, you know, we haven't really been able to uh, come up with that part to fix your furnace. And... Um, they said, and then they said, they used nice language, but they basically said, um, you know, we don't know if we'll ever find the part. Oh, they won't. I can guarantee it. Yeah, so it's, it's we're going to find out about that this winter. Now, I'm sure you can go to Sabre to get anything you need, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sabre plumbing and heating and air, yeah. This, this was, a, right, exactly. Now, this wasn't Sabre I was dealing with, but, but the reality is there are going to be some people who are going to be, uh, there may, may be some people dying this winter. Because they haven't been able to fix their furnace. You're right. Oh yeah, I believe yeah. That's uh, I've been dealing with that for a long time. The fact that you can't fix anything anymore. You just, yeah. You just have to get a new one. You have and to get a new one. Just but in be a time shortage of those too. Has a yeah. lot to do with that because yeah, if they stop producing that model, you're not going to get a part unless. Sometimes, like when the, they discontinue a model, they'll sell all these parts to some third party, and then they'll <laughs> yeah, you can buy it from them. Right. Um, there are websites right. like that, but you're going to get gouged for one, and for two, those parts they're very limited in supply. So mm-hmm. if it's ten years later, you, the parts are gone, and the company yep. isn't going to make just a single part because they don't do that anymore. They don't make parts, put them in a warehouse, and then assemble things. They make the parts as they're assembling the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's all very, it's all very fragile. It's a fragile ecosystem. See, I'm stubborn. Yeah. When my appliances break, I always just figure out how to fix it, and sometimes it costs way more than the appliances. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but I like price. our grill. Uh, we have this really nice grill that Mom and Dad gave us. Well, you bought that thing, what, 15 years ago, something like that, maybe a little more? The grill that was at our Golden Valley house? That when we first moved into Golden Valley. Oh, yeah. we first moved in, yeah, that was... Yeah, 15 years, I think. Yeah, about 15 years. Yeah, yep. so, you know, five years later, I get the grill years. because they get a new grill. And now, at this point, it's so rusted that uh, when you're grilling things, the heat deflectors turn red with heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wonder if it's going to explode. Um, Sounds I, like a Weber Genesis. It's not a Weber Genesis. Okay, I have one. Um, I looked up how much it would cost to get the parts to repair it. Uh, it's like three times as much as just buying a new grill. Why don't I do this? It's ridiculous. As soon as your baby's born, we'll give Ethan a grill. I'm sure he'd love that. He would. He'd love it someday in the future. Oh, is that you've chosen a name and looked under the hood to see if it's a four or a six yep. cylinder? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, four <laughs> or you a know six what I mean. cylinder. Okay. Well, people, we've known that a for don't a look under few the hood. months. Yeah, we uh, we did like a Facebook. Uh, we had God. What what did we do? Oh, we had a colored silly string. So what we did is we gave the ultrasound tech blue and pink silly string. Um, we said, okay, once you find out what it is, only give us the color that matches the gender. And then we got home, and we sprayed the silly string, and we found out. Well, that's kind of so, cool. That's better than some people. You read stories up about people the neighborhood. blowing up yep. the neighborhood or oh, yeah. shooting down airplanes. 
Yeah, exactly. I need my uh, pink and blue mortar shells, please. So when did that become a thing? I feel oh, like it's yeah. pretty recent. It is pretty Burning recent. down all of California, yeah, that's a, that's a newish thing. I mean, the last time I became a dad was you know, almost 19 years ago, and that they hadn't invented that yet. No. Nor had they invented these um, $400 high school graduation ceremony photo shoots. Oh, yeah. yeah. It used to get, you know, when I was at Breck and back when it was on the river road, you were in the gym sitting on the stool in front of the blue curtain, yep. and you got your choice of two bad pictures, exactly, and that was yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But I think it was substantially less than $400. It might have been 20 bucks. God. So, I mean, I remember, you know, before Andy was born, we didn't know if he was going to be a boy or a girl, and then he was born, and we went, oh, God, I guess. <laughs> wow. So you didn't look under the hood. We did not. When Andy was oh, Alex, we had to. We, we did oh, not know what you were going to be, and you were born. Hmm. We had to look for Alex because there were some underlying things. Things. Yep. So we knew she was going to be a girl. <clears throat> but it all worked out in the end. We had a boy, we had a girl, and went, that'll do it. See, I thought that I was going to be cool uh, before I came a dad for the first time and just wait and be surprised. Mm-hmm. And then I think an uncle explained to me, he goes, you know, if you take a look and find out, you'll fight about half the names in the baby book and, instead of the yeah. entire thing. Oh, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. We already knew what we were going to name Andy and Alex, though, so oh, that was you? already covered. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Andy's named after Andy Fisher, my best friend as a boy, and Alex is Alexandra's Catherine's middle name. Hmm. <clears throat> so it all worked out. We got A A A A. Yes, Andrew yes, Anthony and Alexandra Ariel. Mm-hmm. So it's A A A A. It all worked out in the end, and we're kind of getting used to the kids now after thirty-five and thirty or so years. You know, you know what I'm saying. We're we're adjusting. They seem to be permanently gone. You don't have to worry <laughs> about any more yo-yo action. Yeah, mm-hmm. I suppose that's probably true. We're, uh, we're right in the middle of the yo-yo years. They're sort of going away, but yep. it's like when the tide goes out, mm-hmm. the waves can still come back in from time yeah, to time. Yeah, that's true. Michael, oh, yeah. how, how old are your children? Um, let's see. Um, 42, <laughs> oh, 38, 36. I can't wow, take it. Your 42. kids are 36, 38, and 42. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm 36 next year, so. Yeah, you're 36. Well, you're 35 in four days, right? Yes, you're five I am. days. Five days, me. yep. 35 years old in five days. We keep yeah, Michael know, Gelf and you. Have, we have 35, 36, 38, mm-hmm. and 42 year old kids. What the hell is that? What happened? You know, it's uh, I, I uh, the part of the only part of it that bothers me is that I have no way to influence them, and I certainly can't take a proactive stance in getting grandchildren. No, God, no, no. <laughs> no you're, you're sort of helpless. <laughs> yeah, you're helpless. A proactive, ch- a proactive. <laughs> that would be approach. your child, not a grandchild. <laughs> yes, it would be. We got to take a break here, Dougie. Look at that, man. That first hour, I mean, first segment went by very quickly. Brilliant. It's that's that. It was brilliant radio. Great show prep. Uh, we'll be right back to these God. exciting announcements. <laughs> Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common-sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com because life is expensive enough. 
Tom here for all my friends at Profile. We are running out of summer and rolling into fall. Kids are back in school, and now it's time to finally do something for yourself. So maybe you're thinking it's time to get back on track with your health. Well, Profile can really help you out. Profile has a variety of plans to fit any budget, and Profile really works. I've been on the program for over six months. I've lost a ton of weight. I feel so good right now, and it's time for me to maintain taking all that weight off. You know what I'm talking about. Danette, my personal coach, will help me maintain my weight loss. She has so far done a great job. Profile has helped me and can help you too. So what are you waiting for? Set up an absolutely free, no obligation consultation today, and you will be glad you did. Visit ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities for more details. In fact, use promo code Tom Barnard and save 100 bucks off your Profile membership. What a deal. Check out ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities. That's ProfilePlan.com. We were back with Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets with Mike Gelfand on the phone and the boys in the studio. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, or cool car stories that you'd like to share in the air, you can always call 561-228-4061. Again, that's 561-228-4061. Do you... I was going to ask you something, but I know I forgot the hell I was going to ask you. It was a good question, too. I'm sure it was. Oh, I'll think of it. All right, I'll read another story while you think Forge of what your this head. brilliant question is. Brilliant. This is uh, um, forecasting the automobile business next year's, and the, uh, the title is Clouds and a Little Sun. If LMC automotive analysts are right, next year will be another tough one for the U.S. auto dealers, though there might be some signs of recovery. Um, consider just some of the top-line projections put forth last week by the forecasting uh, firm when Tom's throwing stuff on the floor. Tom's throwing a cowbell around. Latest global outlook for light vehicle sales. New vehicle inventories will improve slightly, but they'll remain under intense pressure as automakers struggle to secure microchip supplies. North American factories will produce nearly 2 million additional vehicles next year, still well below expected demand levels. But some of those will be from new electric uh, vehicle players. U.S. sales are expected to rise from 15 million this year to 15.7 in 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, by way of comparison, the best year ever in new car sales uh, was 2016. I think we did came in a little bit under 19 million. 17 million is kind of the average. Downside inflation, I can't even read, inflationary pressures are expected to stick around, pushing up costs and prices, though inflation as a whole is likely to stay within its historical bandwidth. Ramped up average transaction prices driven by reduced incentives because of excess demands are pushing up potential new car buyers out of the market and into used model. Lower lease penetration and increased consumer purchase of vehicles coming off lease look to drive used car vehicle prices even higher. So these people, and then say guys, it's probably guys and gals are right. It's like 22 will be more of the same. So it's just weird. Well, really. I think that there is an untapped market that they're not uh, they're not seeing. So we got the chip shortage, mm -hmm. which means you can't put any uh, fancy electronics in your cars. Well, right now there's a big uh, trend. Uh, it's 80s nostalgia. Everyone's back into the VHS tapes and oh, cassette yeah. players and all that. <laughs> Well, how about 80s nostalgia cars? 
Analog dials, those switches that you pull and you push, yep. rolling down the window manually. There you go, no chips. You're not the first person that's thought of that. A couple of problems. Um, <laughs> Just those a cars couple? wouldn't Just pass contemporary safety standards, so you'd have to change oh. that. Uh, and it's interesting. The I might, cigarette lighter might fly out and burn you? Right. Or they don't, a lot of them didn't even have anti-lock brakes. So it's, that's true. Those yeah, are relatively airbags. new. Remember, they for a while until the early 90s, they had those pain in the ass automated seatbelts. Oh, yeah, those are horrible. They go like this. Oh, You're like, am that. I about to die when well, the when those go back well, and the start worst tightening? The thing was, though, no, if you were backing into a tight spot and you open the door to see, oh, oh yeah, then you yeah. pull your head right into the dash. So yeah. Oh, man. Some of the nostalgia is cool, and some of it's like, God, I'm glad they don't build that well, if you think anymore. Very, if you think pragmatically, it was you know, pretty crappy all around. Yeah. You know, it's like, does anyone miss having to roll down the window over mm. the course of half an hour? No. But, you know, it's, you grew up with it, so it's what you think is cool. Can I tell you my favorite car story of all time? No. Okay, never mind. <laughs> you may no, not. Go ahead. Sorry. This is my least favorite then. How about okay. that? <clears throat> no, back in the 50s, this was, my friend Bobby Knotts was riding in the family vehicle, and his dad was yelling at him about something. I don't know what it was about. But Bobby at the time was probably eight years old, something like that, maybe nine. They're driving along, and he's trying to not pay attention to his dad, barking at him about this, that, and the other thing. He takes the cigarette lighter, which they don't even have in cars anymore, do they? No, no they, they haven't for probably so. 20 years. It's been a long time. So he, he takes the cigarette lighter out, and he's looking at it while his dad's yelling at him because his dad has to look at the road. He yeah. can't see what he's doing, mm -hmm. right? So he's looking at the cigarette lighter, and he just sets it down in his lap. Oh, and he just no. Why? No. Stuck his finger in the hole oh. of the cigarette lighter. Apparently it's pretty hot in there. Yeah. It would be both red hot and electrified. <laughs> so but very that, bad place for a finger. He Mike. said, oh, and then here's the best part. You ready for the best part? Mm -hmm. They're in Randall, Minnesota. There's a little cafe up there. It's still there, I think. They're in Randall, Minnesota. There's a little cafe up there. And Bobby Knotts is bitching about having burned his finger, right? And I guess, it, I, my finger really hurts. I really burned it. It really hurts, Mom and Dad. Well, my gee, finger hurts. I wonder why I your finger it. hurts. The waitress came over and said, son, could you do me a favor? Oh, yeah. Could you stop complaining? My son just died in a fire two weeks oh. ago. Oh, oh my God. What a day, Bobby. What a day. Mm -hmm. Two weeks earlier, the woman's son burned to death in a house fire. And the kid's oh, complaining God. about his burnt finger. About his burnt yeah. finger. Yeah, can you imagine Woo. going to work and you hear this little boy crying about it hurts because I'm burning? No, yeah. Like literally <laughs> wait, the, wait, 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 wait. the worst Shut thing up, kid. you could possibly hear. Did anybody, any of you, act, ever have a good experience teaching your kids to drive? Uh, no. I actually did pretty well. I taught four of them. Only my daughter was a total basket case. The rest mm. of them did pretty well. <laughs> nice because case. the one of the things that I did with all of them, and they, I don't know why they don't teach this in driver's ed. When it was snowy, we'd go up to the um, the grade school around the corner when the parking yep. lot was empty, and I'd teach them how to do donuts and how to recover from skids. Ooh, and they just loved that. They oh, were just, sure. and, and it was Good actually time. really a practical lesson because if you drive it in Minnesota, happen, at yeah. some point you're going to sli start sliding, and you need to, I've had you one can't think about it. You have It has to be reflexive. I've had one slide story, and yeah, I 
I can wait until you're done, though. No, no, that was it. So, the, oh. But for me, those were good teaching kids how to drive experiences. Well, I don't know if I could have recovered from this. No. Because I not. was parked uh, on a, in a Walgreens parking lot. The parking lot itself was at about a 20-degree incline. Snelling and... Yeah, exactly. Snelling yeah. and Randolph. I started sliding oh, to yeah. the left, sideways down the hill. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do in that situation? Nothing. Yeah, There's exactly. You, you just... Uh, that's literally, I started sliding and I was like, oh, well, I guess we'll see how this goes. I mean, you can honk your horn and flash your lights in hopes that somebody yeah. gets out of the way that you might otherwise Thankfully, there was nothing there. I just, what happened was I slid down, I hit the curb, and I dented my wheels a little bit. Yeah. But other than that, you know, it could have been I, a lot worse. I took my kids, I, I, I taught them to drive in the, uh, in the, uh, Costco parking lot because I figured if they could survive that, yeah, really, they were right. good to go. Trial good. by fire, good point. Actually, my first kid, Jake, I, you know, look, he didn't know how to drive and I didn't know how to teach him, right? So, but he, you know, I thought, well, I should give him a little lesson here, and I said, you know, it's time. He's been taking taking the classroom stuff, and he's got his permit, and uh, so uh, I said, okay, you know, we're going to give this a shot. And uh, we, uh, I put him behind the wheel. He, uh, he managed to uh, back the car out of the driveway, drove a block. We approached the stop sign. He said, should I stop here? And I said, that's it. Lesson over. <laughs> Get out of the car. That was it. That, that my patience was totally gone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Three of my kids were pretty cautious, but my youngest stepson, the first lesson was always up in that same parking lot, and we'd drive around, and I'd say, okay, you're doing really good, and he was the most confident of the, of the four of them. So I said, why don't we drive through the neighborhood and see how you do, and he's doing really well. And he goes, hey, can we drive down and see Mom? And, you know, Hastings is 20 minutes from Rosemont. I right. thought, you know, if you... Why not? He seems to be doing okay, and he grew up with his, at his dad's cabin in Wisconsin driving four-wheelers, so, he, you know, he kind of had it down. A minute later, we're heading down 55, and he goes, how do you set the cruise control in this thing? I said, dude, you've been driving for seven minutes. Let's save the cruise control for maybe I when you get it. up yeah. to double digits at least. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a and great he's, story. And he's, of course, the kid that just spun out his Honda last winter and slammed it into a phone pole because he was going too fast. In a... Anyway. Andy, should I tell him about your driving lesson I gave you? I don't even know what you're talking about. I... You never. I took you out for your first driving lesson. You don't remember that? Maybe. We get to 101 and what was the crossroad? 26. Is that what it was? There? I don't know. I was oh, 16 years old. Whatever. Anyway, so I didn't think it through. So it was my fault because he was a brand new driver, and I never considered that he wouldn't have been had the knowledge to do this. I said, okay, we get to the light. Just take a left. We get to the light, takes a left, but there was a motorcycle yeah. coming the other oh, way. No. Oh, Luckily, he didn't hit the oh. motorcycle. Oh, that was, remember that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> he goes, yes, Green I do. means go. I saw green. I went. I didn't know green means go unless someone else is coming your way. <laughs> uh, now, the, the biggest problem I had with any member of the family driving was, of course, with my dad. Hmm. So my dad was 89 years old. And, you know, in the kind of like approaching the middle, the middle ground of dementia. Yeah, mm. that's uh, about where my dad is right now, and he just oh turned 90. God. Oh God. So yeah, I know and exactly I'm, what you mean. Yeah, and I'm telling him, you know what, it's just, 
it's just not safe anymore. No. I'm sorry. It's time to pack it in. Well, of course, you know, he, he, he couldn't understand even why I was saying it because he didn't think that he drove well enough to be on the road. He felt pretty confident that he was the best driver on the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so was he? I talked to I talked to his doctor, and his doctor said, um, "Well, you know what? What we do in these situations is we we ask them to uh, to take go to go to the courage center and take the driving test that they have there." And so my dad, uh, he was fine with that because he knew he'd pass with flying colors, right? Now, by the time he actually got into the car, he'd already failed the test. Because before you do it, they give you a little questionnaire. So that had been established. Nevertheless, he gets in the car. Now, he's not really driving the car because, you know, the examiner has control, can, can control the steering wheel and the accelerator. So my dad gets in the car. First thing he does is try to pull onto the highway with the semi coming. And, oh, uh, oh, so, no. Yeah, well, you know, like I say, the examiner would have stopped to it. But my dad never really understood he wasn't actually driving. So, uh, you know, then then they took my dad into a little neighborhood, you know, quiet little neighborhood. My dad uh, drove down the street, at least he thought he did. And, uh, of course, naturally he failed the test. And he said the test was a farce. He said that he was going to sue the Courage Center. He said he came up with a little slogan. He said, the Courage Center had no courage because, in his mm. mind, they should have had the every guts. Lo- every lawsuit needs a good marketing yeah, campaign. There you go. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Fit, you must that was co- pretty good. Pretty good thinking for my dad at that at that stage. So if eventually, he said that the test was a farce because they didn't even let him go onto a highway where he could really show his skills. See, you know, yeah. driving sixty miles an hour on a on a busy highway. And I said, "Well, Dad, you know that." That would be kind of tough because, you know, there, there, there would be people who wouldn't be qualified to drive on a highway, you know, and someone might get killed. And he, my dad looked at me and he said, well, if they got to die, they got to die. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Exactly. Needless to say, a, a rather lengthy and horrible battle ensued mm. that went on for many months. Yeah, that whole driving thing. I didn't start mm. driving until I was 21 years old. I was twenty-two. I was eighteen, I think. I think it was self-taught. I started sneaking the car out of the garage yeah. when I was twelve. Well, my dad, he always told me that at fifteen he drove the car from uh, from uh, Tulsa to uh, I think it was I think it was Chickasaw, and he said, you know, if I could do that at fifteen, I can drive down Hennepin Avenue at ninety. How many Jews in the world do you think ever said? I'm driving from Tulsa to Chickasaw. Yeah. <laughs> well, Not from Chickasaw, he went to Muskogee, by the way. And oh, how yes. many Jews would say they ever went to Muskogee? That's wow. very true. <laughs> I don't know. Muskogee kind of sounds Yiddish, doesn't it? <laughs> you've, you're, you're not remembering the, st- the song. There's a song? The Oki from Muskogee. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My dad like, wasn't familiar with that. It's a redneck mm-hmm. national anthem. Uh, and if, I, if I really wanted to piss my dad off, I could say to my dad, "Hey, Dad, um, uh, do uh, were there really uh, were people really uh, in, in a surrey with a fringe on top? Were you ever in a surrey with a fringe on top?" <laughs> that, of course, from the 
Broadway show, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, absolutely. And he knew that. He knew that, and he would just grit his teeth. Mm. Say, no, I didn't. Did you kids ever get along? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just wow. No. No. No, I did not. Uh, what the no. hell? Are you, what are you gonna do, man? You, you, you can only yeah. do your best, Mike. You can only you do, do your, your best, best, and you you know you, you you try to do the right thing, even though you know that uh, that the old man's gonna try to disown you and and vow as he did that he would hate me until the day he died. <laughs> so eighty thousand dollars worth of psychotherapy, and you boil it down to a one-word answer. Yeah, yeah that's yep. exactly right. Uh, yeah. Well, what do you? Yeah, like you said, Tom. You know. You just got to do what you got to do. You got to do uh, what you got to do. And, uh, you know, when I remember the day I walked into my dad's uh, apartment. He was living in assisted living. And uh, there, was a, uh, there was a card on a little table he would sit at from a, uh, a notorious uh, probate lawyer. <laughs> and then I knew I was in trouble. Oh, what was that all about? Do we get to know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wanted to, uh, you know, he wanted to disown me for not letting him drive. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. I love yeah. your dad. That is a very old man thing to do, though. Lou Well, especially an old man with dementia. Yeah, that, too. How many years did he work at the Star Tribune, Mike? My dad? Yeah. He, he worked at the Star. I think he worked there, let's see, eight, he worked there about 20, 20 years, I'd say. Yeah. It was supposed to be like a, you know, like a six-month retirement mm-hmm. job. Was he the ombudsman? But he was the ombudsman, the reader's representative. You know, it's something odd. They don't have a reader's representative anymore. Gee. So you know what you have to do if you mm. want to complain? So let's say you, they misspelled your name in the story. You know what you have to do? Mm. You would have to write a letter to the city editor. Oh, God. Because they wouldn't, they you know, they, your email would just go into the trash. Yep. If you called them up and they said, I want to speak to the city editor, well, first of all, there wouldn't be anyone to call to ask for that. Right. So, yeah, there's been some, some problems there, I'd have to say. But, yeah, he, he, lasted a, he lasted a long time at that job. He did, absolutely. I remember, I remember all those years, man. That was something else. And, and when it got to the very end, you know, where he, he kind of was fading badly sometimes he managed to write a column uh, written in my style oh really what a coincidence that yeah must that's have been, nothing. Huh? yeah <laughs> how did it ever happen uh bob franklin says hi by the way oh man bob franklin what a great guy he was the uh, he was the assistant city editor at the uh, at the minneapolis tribune oh there you oh, go really yeah he was he was one of the guys I worked for there, and he really was a great guy. Hey, Bob, get off your ass and Still help is. Mike out. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No, there were a lot of great guys. That, uh, when I, I started on KQ, now it's, what, 36 years ago, I guess. But uh, you had a lot of really good writers in town. Yeah. I Boy, I, I cannot tell you the last time I picked up a newspaper. Uh, funny, years. I was thinking about that. I was at Cub picking up some stuff for Sunday dinner and went to the checkout lane, and they had the Sunday strip in the rack Oh, yeah, there. yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick it up, but I, if it was 20 pages, I'd be shocked. Oh, no, I know. Yeah, it's, it's and that's the Sunday, now, yeah. Sunday papers. They got the Sunday edition used to weigh five pounds. Oh, I know. Yeah. It did. Yeah, well, try the, uh, try the uh, St. Paul newspaper. 
Oh, yeah. Which is basically about one page of story. It is. Yep. Yeah, you're right. It absolutely yeah. No, I mean, and, and here's the sad thing about what's happened to the newspaper industry. Basically, since hedge funds decided to buy newspapers. Yes. Mm-hmm. The sad thing is that, and, and this is no joke, the Minneapolis Star Tribune is one of the best local newspapers in the country. Well, it depends on what your opinions are. <laughs> Unless your name's Tom Bernard. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I, they're not too nice to me there, Mike. You're I don't talking know if you ever noticed. Well, I'm, I'm not saying anything great about other newspapers, you know. There's, But I'm just saying they do have some reporters there. A lot of newspapers just basically, you know, the hedge funds come in. That's true. Yeah, that and is And they true. cut 75% of the employees mm-hmm. right away. Yes, they do. That is absolutely true. All right, we have one more, or actually just one, car question before the show's over. All right. Uh, someone wants to know, do you think Tesla will ever have dealerships? That's a really good question. I was at uh, in Las Vegas at a dealer convention last <laughs> week, and a couple of the guys they know, in fact, we had one on the, sh- the one of the guys on the show, Cliff Banks, who was a famous mm-hmm. automotive oh, sure. writer. He, he phoned in because he lives in Chicago. Yep. But he's he knows Elon Musk pretty well. And Musk says that he's considering doing it because the, the, the failure of his system is what we call the last mile. So the customer care isn't there. They don't have the ability true, to staff yeah. this sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. so. There's no face. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's actually he's actually considering it now. Elon Musk, I, he considers I, how everything. do you keep up with him? Yeah. So who knows? Well, he's but only worth a quarter of a trillion. I know. It's, it's, I mean, you know. it's crazy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start up that dealership right after I build a Mars colony. But I think for a lot of people, that's and, and they, they do build a good product, uh, but that's the hesitancy for a lot of people. Some people, believe it or not, actually like having a car dealership that they're connected to, as long as mm-hmm. they feel like they're being treated fairly by sure. their staff yeah. and the business model and stuff. And the whole Tesla thing is just like, okay, it's a cool car, but what? Ha- who do I talk to when I need help? That's true. And, and that's yeah, that's off-putting to say the yeah, least. Yeah, that's that's why I was so happy to buy those old Fords that didn't work from my father-in-law because I could always call him up, you know, and say, hey, uh, hey, the brakes just went out, and he'd say, how many miles on the brakes? I told you this story. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I'd say, oh, you know, I've driven the car. I guess, uh, I guess, I'm, I guess, I've driven the car about ten thousand miles. And he'd say, well, you can't expect brakes to last for more than ten thousand miles. Yeah, yeah it's that personal touch, you know. <laughs> no, it is not. For anyone naive out there, if your brakes fail in ten thousand miles, that's not good. Unless you're well, my stepfather. Or that. That was, was just that was just the the American-made car of the at 80s. the time. Yeah, yeah they yeah, were terrible. Very bad. They were. My stepdad is a private pilot, and for some reason, he does two things that's kind of weird. He's convinced that you can get there faster in a car. And because when you're a pilot, you have one foot on the right rudder pedal and one foot on the left. Oh, he yeah. drives one foot on the gas, one Uh-oh. foot on the brakes. Oh, it's God, the, one it's of the those. worst. I just oh. absolutely. And then he gets pissed because his brakes wear out fast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you're on the brakes all the time. Exactly. That'll do anyway. it. So that's what all those people riding their brakes all the time. They're all pilots. It all makes sense now. They're driving really fast while having the brakes Yeah, exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up episode triple one of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. We will be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. See you later.